Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So all through the month of December, for those of you that have been with us through the weeks, we've been teaching on peace, right? Y'all have a far more peaceful life, or are you still working on it? <laughs> better, better. This morning, we're going to talk about what may appear to be the opposite, but I'm going to challenge you to think it's exactly the same thing, okay? We're going to talk about disturbance. <laughs> have you... Um, do you already have your New Year's resolutions nailed down or are you still working on it? Who's got their resolution ready? Couple, oh wow, it's a good thing we're doing this. How many of, your, of you have your resolution as I'm not doing one? <laughs> okay, well maybe the message this morning will give you a great resolution, okay? Something you can do and it might surprise you. Um, so we're going to start out, um, actually I'm going to pray in just a minute because I feel that, but um, we're going to start out today by looking at some stories of Jesus, okay? And first, we're just going to get to know him better. But then before we're done, I promise you we're going to make this intensely personal, okay? Intensely personal for a new year that you're headed into. So um, let's just take a minute and pray. I really want the Lord to do this instead of me. So um, Lord, we just invite you. We ask for your words. We ask for your presence because what are we doing here if your presence isn't doing it? And we just ask that you would touch hearts. Um, we bind assignments of the enemy in the strong name of Jesus and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be wild and crazy among us, doing what you want in our hearts. We ask that you would begin establishing new things for a new year so that you're gloried in it. And that um, we ask that this would be a year that your kingdom breaks out, starting in this body and these families like we've not even seen before. Do things that are so crazy we've never even seen it before. We give you permission in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and turn to um, Luke 11. And um, this is just where we're going to start. This is, this is just intro stuff. This is a story of Jesus, but this isn't one of those that, that we're going to focus in on. Um, but we have to start by laying a foundation. If you know I say all the time that, that God's call on our life is that we bring the kingdom of heaven to this place, right? And I, I just want to start on that foundation. So Luke 11 and verse 1 how many of you, I have to do this, how many of you in here are using an electronic Bible, like a phone or a, okay, about 50-50, and we have a small crowd this morning, so, and how many of you are turning pages, you actually have a paper Bible, okay, and you, and how many of you just rely on the screens? Wow, that's like a total split. Some of you are doing multi, you're multitaskers. I saw hands twice. Okay. All right. We'll just leave that alone. We have some people that are confused. Okay. Luke 11 starts and says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, speaking of Jesus, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So just gather the context. This is not Jesus praying. This is Jesus answering the request, teach us to pray. 
So what does he tell them to pray? He says, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's all of that prayer we're going to read. I just want to start there. In other words, they said, how should we pray? And what was his answer? He said, pray that you become someone that is doing, that does what you see me doing. Right? What was Jesus doing? He was walking around bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth like they'd never seen it before. And so they said, how should we pray? And he said, you know what? Pray that you become a place of the Holy Spirit where when pray that the will of heaven is done in the earth. Pray that the earth aligns with the will of heaven. You know, I think we lose sight of that right there. We miss it right from the beginning. We think um, all kinds of crazy things like, like uh, the will of heaven is just that we live, we live well. We follow some prescriptions. We um, don't do wrong things. And when they said, how should we pray? He, he basically says, pray that you become a manifester of the kingdom of God on this dark earth. And that's what Jesus was doing, right? See, we have to start there because this is what we're going to talk about this morning. And this really is about a new season, about a new year coming on. Um, you know that there's, there's really only two possibilities. You can kind of keep it like you got it. And that can be pretty stable and ordered and um, it'll have its share of trouble. That's promised in the word of God too. Or you can, you can live a life where you're inviting the Holy Spirit to make you a manifester of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, but now here's what I want to tell you. If your life is going to become a manifestation of the will of heaven, you're talking about great upheaval. Do you understand that? Last week we talked about how Jesus was saying, the first three weeks we said he, he came to bring peace. He's the prince of peace, right up here on these banners somewhere. And then he says, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. And we're like, make up your mind, what did you come to do? You bring peace, you don't bring peace. We're talking about that this morning, okay? You understand if the kingdom of heaven, if the will of heaven breaks out in your family, breaks out in this church, breaks out in a nation, that um, the world is opposed to it. And so you're talking about great upheaval. Do you know that you cannot order two things by two different orders i dare you to try so like we could have a box full of things and we could go um let's order this um let's do it alphabetically and it could be ordered alphabetically and then you can go you know let's do it by size and alphabetical and you could never do it in fact if you wanted to switch over to ordering it by size you'd have to completely shred the alphabetical order right There'd be some chaos between here and here. So if your prayer is, Lord, I, I want to be the place of your kingdom. I want to fulfill the calling that you have on my life. Now, y'all know you have a calling, right? If you want to fulfill that, there's some chaos between here and becoming as powerful as you can be to be a fulfiller of that. Does that make sense? Amen? Okay. So you know that if you're going to pray this prayer that Jesus is telling them to pray, <laughs> you know what you're asking for? Disturbance. You can count on that one. Disturbance. You're, you're talking about things being shredded. God be powerful. 
You're asking him to bust stuff up. And I'm going to show you that in the life of Jesus this morning, and I hope it makes you think so totally different about some stories you've known all your life out of the Bible. In fact, I want to tell you this story, and some of you have heard this before, so I'll make it the quick version. There was a season in, in Sandra and I's life where we were down in Trinidad, and um, stupidly, very stupidly, we prayed, Lord, increase our faith. Innocent little prayer. <laughs> he did. He increased our faith over how many years? Some years. Some, some years. I don't even want to get two, three, four, five. All I know is what happened next was everything in our life became destroyed. <laughs> I was fired. I mean, I, actually, I don't even want to go through it all because most of you have heard this story before. But our life got so incredibly shredded and disturbed and destroyed, it was unbelievable. I'm telling the truth, right? We barely survived it. Um, we survived it because God said, you're going to survive this and I'm answering your prayer. We, you know what did also happen? We emerged from that with a faith that was unrecognizable from the faith we entered that season, okay? We're going to talk a little bit about that. See, you understand, if, if you're praying, Lord, I want, uh, let's start with the church so I don't pick on you first. We'll, we'll pick on the church first. We want this church to be a place where the kingdom of God is manifest, where when you come here, you encounter the presence of a living God in ways that, that, that blow things apart, that heal things, that, that fix things, that bring light where there's darkness, Then the same thing, right? We're praying there's going to be disturbance. He's going to have to tear some things apart. Same thing. Lord, make my marriage a vessel of the kingdom of God. Make my marriage the place where the Holy Spirit is so manifest that, that when my wife and I walk into a room, the presence of God is so there that it, it begins to destroy what's not of the kingdom and begins to bring what is of the kingdom just because we walked in the room. Pray that. Watch what happens to your marriage. You will start to see. See, do you all know that you do have things? Can we just agree together that you do have things that he's going to have to tear the order of? He's going to have to mess it up in order to align you with the will of heaven. And you can pick anything, your work, your business. Lord, help us with our finances. Heal our finances, right? Have you ever prayed that and you've watched it go to the tank like you've never seen it go before? Because he knows that it's not just the money that's the problem. He began, you pray for your finances and all of a sudden everything over here in your life starts to fall apart because he knows that you have heart reasons that are in the way. Do you think he doesn't want to bless your finances? He does. He's just not most concerned about that. Okay, we're going to jump into some scripture. I actually have to do this too. So you understand. Let's do this. You know, as, as a parent, um, raise your hand if you're a parent. Almost everybody, raise your hand if you're a parent's kid. Just kidding. That's stupid. Don't, don't do that. <clears throat> um, so we can all relate with this, okay? A parent always wants the best for their children. 
right? And so you're always trying to keep order, help, help your children out, help them keep going. But how many of y'all know, especially those of you that have been parents and hopefully as adult children of parents at least, you know that it does reach a point where you realize it has to be completely broken. I mean, it has to be let go. Chaos has to ensue or it's a curse. I mean, like I know sometimes I walk in, sometimes I know it when Sandra's home with our son, I can just see it on her face. I walk in there and I'm like, oh, is, first, first thought is, is it me? <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, that kid. Um, but I'll see it on her face and it, it can actually get to the point to where you're to where your thinking is, I mean, you're ready for disruption in order to get to blessing, right? You've reached the point where it's like, well, let him flunk, <laughs> right? We've tried as hard as we can to help. Now he just has to flunk or call the police <laughs> on him. It's the only thing that can help him now or the child has to die. <laughs> I can tell when that's what's on her face. And I'm like, son, I can't even help you anymore. <laughs> But you see, all of that is still, did the parents stop loving? No, no, the parent. In fact, that's the depths of love. That's the point where the parent says, this has got to be disrupted if it's going to end up in blessing, right? Okay, let's look at Jesus. Go to Matthew 21 with me. You're all going to know this story. This is a story of disturbance. Now, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to show you. If you follow Jesus' ministry, the whole three-year thing, <laughs> if you follow that ministry from the first day to the last day and you pay attention to this, what you will see is that he walks around disturbing things. It's his full-time job. He, he causes, what? He causes such a chaos that eventually they just have to go, man, that dude's got to die. I mean, that guy is a disturbance to everything that we're trying to do here, right? So that kind of disturbance. Now, I'm picking this story first because this is actually negative disturb. This is actually where you'd see where like somebody like, he lost his temper now. Better pull it together, Jesus kind of story okay and usually that's not the type of his mode of of disturbing things but here here it is um chapter 21 start in verse 12 with me it says then jesus went into the temple of god and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves can you just imagine the scene? I mean, just, just for a second. I know you've done it before, but he's walking in there and he's knocking over the tables. You can picture that there must have been a flurry of doves in the air because cages are cracking open. Um, that's expensive. <laughs> that's their business. That's their livelihood, right? I'll just keep reading. Chapter 13, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, now listen, we're just going to stop for a minute. I need you to recognize a few things. Obviously, um, you know, we say this all the time. Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. Who else is supposed to be doing that? Okay. He only says what he hears the Father saying. Who else does that? Okay. All right, good. You guys got that. 
So he walks in there and he's causing a disturbance. Now I want you to recognize something. This is an event. I know that sounds so dumb, but, but do this with me. This is an actual moment in time. This is an actual, this, he actually did it at an actual moment in time, in God's creation, at the right time because he sees the Father doing it. Okay, that's, that's the first thing really to, to recognize. Now I'm going to give you a little history, okay? What, what is he overturning and why is he doing this? These are the tables. You understand this would have started as a good thing. Do you get that? Um, in order for them to worship according to the covenant they were under, they needed these things. See, I'll give you a metaphor. It's kind of like we provide coffee out here in the fellowship hall. Now, I love that this. I love that 50% of the church comes in after the start of the service in this church. Otherwise, you'd have had to let my family go. It makes me feel at home. It's a great place to be. But for those of you that are here a little early, we provide coffee because we know that in the new covenant, you have to have plenty of coffee if you're going to worship. <laughs> right? <laughs> Attaboy. Then we needed dove. It was animal sacrifices. It was things that, that they needed these things to take them to the priest. So these tables were places where that service was offered to them so that they could enter into worship so that they could fulfill the law of Moses, right? Good thing, right? It really is a good thing. Now, why is he doing this? I want to just tell you about God's timing. This is happening because in, in not too long from this moment, this is just really before he's about to be, to be hung on a cross so that you can join the family of God and be free, Okay. That's what's about to happen. And he knows that this form of worship is about to completely lose its validity. Now, of course, he also says, he also calls that it's become um, a den of thieves. Okay? They've also begun to, to turn it into profit and things that are evil in its sense. But I want you to recognize that at any point in history, God could have come and caused the disturbance. He could have said, this is going to stop. But he didn't. This was actually a moment in time on God's timing to come and disturb what they had been doing. Okay? Does that make sense? So Jesus, being one who's obedient to the Father, goes in and does this. Now, I want to show you, this is going to look unrelated. It's almost out of place. I read you verse 13 where he says, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now listen to the next verse. It says, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. <laughs> it feels like a subject change, doesn't it? But it's not. In other words, what's he doing? He's bringing disturbance to end the old things, and it immediately has a verse about the new things. The, the manifestation of the kingdom of God is the new thing. A different kind of worship with, with the freedom and the gift and the reality of the kingdom appears in the very next verse. It's so easy to pass over. He's just turning over tables and letting doves out of cages and saying, and saying, this has to be disturbed. And then the very next verse says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now keep going with me. We're build, this is going to get intensely personal, almost painful. You can thank me for that later. 
And in verse 15 it says, but when the chief priests and the scribes, listen to this, when the priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. <laughs> did you hear that? What is that? Indignant is like, uh, I had to look that up. Like what the heck does that really mean? Righteous anger. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's not what I had here, but that's better. So um, righteous anger, okay? <laughs> because what? Because they were seeing him doing wonderful things. What wonderful things? The same calling that's on your life. He was manifesting the kingdom of God in their sight. That is the call on your life. To be the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that where the presence of God goes, the kingdom breaks out? They were displeased because <laughs> he was doing wonderful things. Okay, pop quiz. I just got to see how far we've come over some years. If, if we're reading a passage on the temple, what are we reading about? guys are great we get, we're getting it we're getting it that's right so what so what did we just read he wants to cause a disturbance in your life i'm sorry about that and i'm just going to confess um as he strongly put this on my heart this week and i began preparing what we're going to talk about today for every butt that would sit down in here today i've already been praying <laughs> you know what i'm praying for for disturbance, <laughs> I am. Do you want the blessing of God? Do you want new things to break out? Uh-oh. <laughs> Go to um, Matthew 9. And let me see, let me pick the verse here. I think I, we need the context. So I'm going to start in 18, verse 18. I'm going to read a little bit and then I'm going to point something out. <clears throat> verse 18, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her and she will live. That's a faith. If you'll just come and lay your hands on her, she'll live. So Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Verse 23, when Jesus, listen to this now, when Jesus came into the ruler's house, this is the original person saying, um, my daughter needs healing, right? Has just died. Actually, that's a little bit beyond healing, isn't it? <laughs> that's a serious healing. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. Now I have to tell you something cultural here, okay? What's going on here? In their time, they would literally, if someone died, they would hire flute players, and they would even hire like a woman to wail. If you were a really rich person, they would hire a whole crowd of women to wail um, so that it would be appropriate, right? So that, it, so that the feeling would be 
appropriate deathful. Can that be a word, deathful? That's what's going on here. So they're, in other words, what? They're doing what they do. They're doing the order. They're doing what's established. And Jesus comes along and he said to them, make room for the girls not dead but sleeping. Now listen, make room is kind of like a nice way to record it. I really think that was Jesus coming through going, get out of the way. <laughs> I'm about to disturb what you all do, right? He's telling the flute players, fire the flute players <laughs> and get everybody out of the way. The girl's not dead, she's sleeping. And he goes on and says, and they ridiculed him. Of course they did. Why? Because it doesn't match what they do, right? But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose and the report of this went out into all the land. Don't skip that last statement. The report went out into all the land. Why'd the report go out? Because he just disturbed everything. <laughs> he just manifested the kingdom of God in such a way that he just disturbed everything. They wasted good money on them flute players. <laughs> you know, we do that. We, we jump to the conclusion of like, Disturbance comes, and we're really quick to go, oh, it's dead. It's all lost. I think he wants us to be a people where we see disturbance, and we go, oh, thank God. It's getting, it's getting torn up. It's disturbed. Like, well, this is a problem. I can just imagine like a phone call to a buddy, right, where you, you call up and you go, you, you won't believe what's going on. And the buddy on the other end, what? What's going on? The worst disturbance has happened in my life. It's so great. You wouldn't believe it. My finances just tanked. I'm pretty sure this morning my wife hates me, and I might be losing my job. That is so exciting. I'm going to bring a bottle of champagne. I'll be right over. Obviously, God is on the move here. <laughs> Do you know that the scriptures are full of that? You want to know the nature of God? That's what he does. He has to undo old things if you're going to walk into his new things. I'm blessed enough I'm married to, um, we used to call Sandra a bubble popper. <laughs> it's the spiritual gift. Um, it's a spiritual gift to walk around and pop bubbles. She is not, when she sees something that's not in alignment with the kingdom or is not quite right, she's more than willing to destroy it. <laughs> And when you're married to her, you're going, whether you like it or not. So, um, but I've, let me tell you, I wouldn't trade it for the world. She's, we have blessing in our life. We have a blessed marriage because she has never been willing to allow the presence of things that are not as they should be. She will wreck it. <laughs> and we're blessed because of it. Jesus is doing that here. Okay. Let me just make sure here. Yeah, we're really quick to conclude. It's dead. It's lost. No, it's not. God's a disturber. Why, is he dis why does he love to disturb things? Because he loves you like crazy. Because he's totally nuts about you. And he's trying to be in the details. And he does want to align your life with the will of heaven. He does want you to be so radically blessed, such a carrier of the glory of his kingdom that you can't even walk around without disturbing things. 
Do you know if you're carrying the kingdom of God and you walk out in this world, you will be automatically disturbing things. Do you understand that? Because this world is not, for the most part, is not manifesting God's will. We can agree on this. In other words, if you are carrying the glory and the power of God to have his will manifest, you will be disturbing things. Amen? Do you want that or does that sound kind of a little bit stressful, a little scary? Would you like to be an agent of that kind of change? You want to see the kingdom of God manifest? Well, then you're talking about being someone who turns over tables. Not literally. You know, and I... Here's the thing. Don't do that literally, okay? <laughs> Unless God tells you to, then do it. Um, but I, I meant to point out earlier, and let me go back. You know when he turned over those tables, it was precise. It had timing. It was deliberate. It was motivated by love, okay? All of those things were true, even when he walked into that table and started turning things over. Okay, you understand, God only disturbs things in your life, in this church, in a nation, in a community, you name it, because he wants it to be filled with more of his life. There's only one reason. It's, it's love that causes him to disturb things. Okay, we have some versions of Christianity out there that really have n nothing to do with love in it. It's really just, um, I know what you need to know, so I'm going to walk up and tell you. And it has nothing to do with, with precision or gentleness or tenderness or love. Okay, one more story. Well, you, you know me better than that. I'll quit saying one more because you never know when we're on the last one more. Um, John 8, and we'll just, I think we're starting right in verse 1, John chapter 8. I personally think this is the most, um, the most incredible story of disturbance that you read about with Jesus, okay? You'll be very familiar with it, but I think for some of us at least, we're going to look at it different than we have before. Here it says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Keep your finger there, I'm still reading. I just want to point out, you understand that is already disturbance. <laughs> you better believe they had a pecking order worked out. You didn't just march into the temple and take the crowd over to your side and start teaching them. They had, um, you know, you had to rub elbows and with the right scribes and stuff like that and be one of the respected families and all that stuff. You, you didn't just waltz in there and decide, I'm going to teach today. Say, so he is already disturbing things, Okay. In verse 3, then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Okay, let's get a handle on this. You understand? They're bringing him this woman who's caught in the nastiest of sins, right? And it is. It's sinful. 
But something we've got to realize as we enter into the story right from the get-go is that you understand they are doing the right thing. (laughs) Do you recognize that? They're following the law of Moses. Now, of course, they don't have the right heart. It records for us that they're testing him. They They want to trap him and trip him up, okay? They want to force him to have to throw a stone that kind of thing. Um, And you'll see, y'all know, they won't succeed at that. But you understand, all they are doing is fulfilling the law that God gave them to live within. They're not suggesting anything outside the law. And then they go on and say, but Jesus, now, now here it is. Here's the great disturbance, the most disturbing sentence in all of Scripture, maybe. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now I have, I'm just going to suggest, look, you interpret it however you want. I'm just going to tell you, I think he knew when he walked into that temple that day, he was being called to the same disturbance that he's always called to, the same one you're always called to, to disturb things, to bring the will of heaven, the kingdom of God. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God comes as a disturbance. And he already knows he's going to do that. I think I, I would give my best nickel to know what he's writing. And it's not recorded for us. What was he writing? I'll tell you this. I believe he was plotting. I believe he was sitting there saying, how am I going to disturb this? How am I going to bring down the order of an old thing so that a new thing, the new things of the kingdom of my father can be manifest? He stoops down to write. And it, it says... Um, verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in his midst. Now, now listen, y'all have heard this story before. And we always focus on the compassion of Jesus, right? So merciful, so, so compassionate. He comes to the rescue of this woman. He's about to stop hundreds of years of the abuse of women right here <laughs> in this moment. And we focus there. But I'll tell you something. Do you know that he loved the guys who brought the woman to him? You know that, right? That's where the real disturbances happen. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a disturbance for the woman. I guarantee you that, that this audacious act of mercy disturbed her life in a way she'll never be the same. She'll be a worshiper of Jesus for the rest of her life. That's a disturbance, okay? But he, the real disturbance is these other guys. What did he disturb? You understand that he is disturbing the law of Moses. (laughs) He's disturbing religion without relationship. He's disturbing the order of their leadership. He's disturbing their entire culture (laughs) in this moment. That's disturbance. What? He's replacing the law of love. What does he say? They ask him, what should we do to fulfill the law? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do this, you fulfill all of the law. 
He gave an easy way to fulfill all the law. And that's what he's doing here. He's disturbing an old system. He's shredding it so that the kingdom of heaven can manifest in its fullness. A kingdom of love can be manifest. Goes on verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now verse 12, listen to this. Then Jesus spoke to them again, them, so he's back to, to addressing the crowd. This had to cause a spectacle. You know that? That's the beautiful thing about disturbance. <laughs> it causes a spectacle for God. And he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He only disturbs things for one reason, because he wants you to have more of himself. He wants you to have light and life. He wants you to become the place of the Holy Spirit that manifests the kingdom. In other words, it's a calling, join me in disturbing things. I don't know, I thought it was good news. Are you guys, is anybody excited about that? <laughs> I know you're good at being a disturber. I've been disturbing things since the day you were born. You're perfect for this. Okay, and you understand, um, we're going to do one more thing. And it looks like we may actually wrap up early today. We're going to do one more thing. Um, you understand um, response is so important. Do you know um, that disturbance can come? And, and God's disturbance is not the only disturbance. Who else wants to disturb things? <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of disturbance. Um, God's disturbance... The kingdom of God breaking out in your life, which will almost always wreck things before it, before it sends it on the uphill slope, um, right? Do, <laughs> do you all know that experience? Um, there, there are really various ways that, that, that can come about from it, right? God can disturb things and it can, it can end up in a worse condition than it started, I'm not going to go through it today because you'd be mad at me. We'd be here for hours. But there are lots of places where we could go, where we could look where it says that, that, um, that don't do this because even though it's, it's holy, it's within the law, or it's what he wants to do, don't do that because it'll end up in a worse condition than where it started. Lots of places that say that. So that's a possibility. Another possibility is that the disturbance of God can move you to positive things. It can improve things, but it doesn't, depending on the condition of the heart, the receiver, the responder to what God's doing, it doesn't necessarily result in you being in a deeper relationship with him. With you having a deeper conversation, you having more of the spirit upon you for the manifestation of the kingdom for those around you. Of course, I'm already talking about the third one. The third one's that, right? God disturbs because he wants to move you to joining him in it. Okay, we're going to read one more story here that um, I, I know you, you know this story too, and we're going we're gonna to turn it upside down again, I hope. And this is Luke 17 and verse 11. Let's start there.
Do you understand there's two types of disruption while you're turning there? There's negative disruption. Like, how many of you know, do you know that he loves you so much that if you're not in alignment with him, I mean, he's so nuts about you, he is willing for things to get destroyed, like any good parent, in order for you to move to where you can be blessed. You know he wants to bless you more than anything. He's that nuts about you. He wants to bless you. And he is willing to allow misery and destruction, illness, all kinds of horrible things in order to move you from where you're at to being a child of his that can receive blessing. I better move on. It got real quiet in here. <laughs> oh, that's true. But then you know he also, most of, well, I'm not going to say most, a lot of his disturbance is just stepping in and giving the blessing. Do you know that that's equally disturbing? We're about to read, a, well, we've already been reading stories about that. We're going to read a really pointed story about that. When God moves in and so radically blesses that it blows your world apart, you have the opportunity to respond. But let's just agree for a moment that that is the disruption of God. That is him taking your, your normal, your ordinary, your, your walking circumstances, and he disrupts with radical love because he's nuts about you. <laughs> okay, I'll try and behave. Luke 17 and verse 11. Here it says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were leopards, lepers, not leopards. They weren't leopards. They were lepers. <laughs> it's different a little bit. Um, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You understand this is already a disruption. Um, lepers had to stay on the other side of the street, and um, they, they weren't to talk. They were completely outcasts from society. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. But th this, is, this is already a disturbance. This is where you call the police and disturbance of the peace, Right? Verse 14, so when he saw them, he said to them, <laughs> talk about a disturbance. Watch the way he does. He could just say, be healed. And that's what he means for you to do. He means for you to, to begin to become someone who carries the kingdom like that. But he, has, he does what he sees the Father doing. He has particular disturbance in mind. So he says, go show yourselves to the priests. He's telling them to violate laws. He is. Do you recognize that? They can't go anywhere near the temple or where the priests are. They're unclean. The most unclean of society. <laughs> and he says, go show yourselves to the priest. He's a trouble causer. And he says, so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So on their way, in this obedience... Not in the completion of the assignment, in the beginning of the obedience, they're cleansed and they're made well. That's a word for somebody. Just soak that up for a minute. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. 
And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, the Samaritan? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now let's talk about this for a minute. We always focus on the one. And look, that's fine. The story's it can be about the one. It can be about what God wants it to be about as the Spirit leads, okay? But we focus on the one, the one who comes back with a thankful heart. When God's disturbance brings blessing, um, the one guy is a big deal, right? It's, he comes back to worship. He found the true blessing of God's disturbance. When God disrupts the natural world and says, be clean, and the guy is. We rarely talk about the nine. Now let's talk about the nine for a minute because understanding context is going to be an insight and I believe this pertains to your life. So track with me here. You understand that in their culture, leprosy meant that you were prohibited from worship. You were estranged from your family and all of the community. You were sent to, um, as often as they could, they sent them to colonies off away so that their, their uncleanness would not spread, okay? In other words, the moment Jesus healed them, they were presented with a fork in the road, okay? You understand, okay, I got to do this. So you understand that, that a leper, in other words, one of the greatest reasons that they would want to be healed. I don't mean to minimize the disease or, or the pain or all the horrible things that come with being ill. But the greatest pain for them would be the inner pain. Being separated, estranged, being, being not fit for the religion, being labeled unclean. Can anybody relate? I'm not worthy of being a son of God. I'm not worthy of being among those who are chosen in God. That would be the pain. Do you get that? So now look at the dilemma here. Jesus heals them. All but one are those who would be of that community where, where they're being separated from worship, from family, from community. The one is a Samaritan. Now, you understand what the Samaritan, Samaritan they worship the same God, but um, their, their culture of the time made it abundantly clear to them that you don't do it right anyway. <laughs> you do it over there in, in Samaria instead of the temple. Um, you don't have any of the right stuff. You don't have the right priests. And, and so they, the Samaritan would really not have been separated from worship the way it should be done, from the community. Okay, but the other nine are not Samaritans. They're from right here where proper worship is being done. The religion is being properly administered. And if you're going to be a part of it, you cannot be a leper. So what happens? He heals them and they now have a choice. They, the condition has been removed and they have to decide. Their heart has been yearning. It doesn't tell us how long. Let's say a decade. Their heart has been yearning to, to, have, um, um, to, to receive love from their family, to go worship at the temple just like everyone else does, to be acceptable to God the way you're supposed to do it according to the religion. 
Remember, religion is practicing spiritual things without relationship. That's the definition of religion. And they just got their ticket back in. And so they have this forked road. Are they going to return to this Jesus that over here at the religion they're not that happy with because he's such a disturber (laughs) to bring blessing? Or do they take their free ticket and go get the world's acceptance, go join into the religion. Uh, you might think of passages where Jesus states very clearly that if you don't love me more than mother, brother, sister, goes on and on. It was, I'm first, you love me first. One was free enough to come back in the disturbance, had the soil in his heart, and, and didn't have the barriers in the way, so that when God brings the blessing into his life, one is positioned to come back and have the real blessing, the real deep blessing, deep relationship with Jesus. The other nine have every barrier in the way. Their heart has desired to be a part of the religion their whole lives or ever since they've been ill. So it's not just coincidence that like, oh, well, one, one comes back to thank and the other nine have no reason. They have good reason. They have the hardest dilemma in the world. Does blessing bring about a love of God over everything else? Or does blessing allow you to engage the things of this world? Which way does it take you when God blesses you? You see, soil matters. He loves you so much he wants to disturb, he wants to wreck stuff. Sorry about that, and I'm praying for that. (laughs) It's just you. I'm praying that 2019 in the families of this church will be a year of such incredible disturbance that the power of the Spirit on this place will be uncontainable. Which means some things that if that prayer is answered, things are about to get wrecked. (laughs) <laughs> he's about to disturb things, blow some minds. And you're going you're gonna to see people in this. I know he's putting this on my heart because it's not just for this church. You're going to begin hearing it from other, other pastors, other people. He wants to do this. He wants to disturb things and have a new outbreak of the kingdom. Brace yourself. <laughs> what, when you reach the fork in the road, what are you going to do? It will, it will present you with a choice. There's a reason they killed Jesus. The, the disturbance of the kingdom of heaven, God's unquenchable desire to bless you by aligning you with kingdom will is disturbing. It will be disturbing to family, friends, things that you do, places you go. It'll be disturbing in this church. It'll be disturbing in the community, I promise you. The kingdom of God breaking out is disturbing and it'll present you with a choice. And so actually I'll just just say one more thing and then then I'll just close by praying for you. Um, So there's two things I want you to brace yourself and be prepared for because I'm not going to be able to stop myself from praying this. One is he's going to disturb your life. (laughs) And it begins. Did I tell you? No. Um, He's going to begin to disturb your life. Okay? He's already been doing it. It's not going to be something totally alien and new for you. But um, he's going to start with precision. 
with timing, he's going to make things fall apart. And I just want to tell you my prayer for you. This is my commitment. My prayer for you in this new year and as we move forward is that you're going to be a person that's so freakish, freakishly weird thinking like Jesus that when disturbance comes, when things fall apart, you're just going to be able to say to yourself, oh, thank God, I know this must be God on the move. Okay, that's, that's faith. That's how we think. Those of us who know that we are of the royal family, <laughs> we are sons of God. He's crazy about us and the word of God tells us he only has good plans. So when things start to fall apart, business, family, marriage, parenting, church stuff, whatever, I, my prayer is that we will become a people that go, oh, God's on the move. Why is this falling apart? What's the new thing God's trying to give us? Okay, and the other one is, and I'm praying this too, I'll quit apologizing for it. I'm not even sorry for this. I'm praying this too, that that we, that you will become agents of his disruption. That, that as he disturbs things and brings our heart in alignment with his, we're going to become carriers of the kingdom such that we walk around wrecking stuff with the greatest of precision and respect and love. Don't get me wrong, church. But we're going to go in and the presence of God is going to bust in and change things in people's world. And they're going to be faced with a decision. How are they going to respond? You want to be an agent of that? I desire that so much for us. If you want to be prayed for, go ahead and stand up. I'm just going to pray for you to close. If you can stand up, you don't have to feel obligated. You can still be prayed for if you... <laughs> I'll still pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. We just thank you for, uh, for crossing the universe to die for us so that we could become royal members of your family. We thank you for making it so that we could be the temple of the Holy Spirit. We honor and we worship you for what you've done and for what you're about to do. In the strong name of Jesus over every family, over every individual and our children, over, over um, extended family that's not even here, we're going we're gonna to pray crazy like that. That Lord, right now, we, in the strong name of Jesus, we are binding assignments of the enemy to conceal this truth to conceal what you're trying to do, the disturbance that you're trying to have break out so that, so that people are blessed and brought into life and that your glory is what shall be brought about. We bind those assignments. You will be silent in the name of Jesus. You will be inactive over these families in the name of Jesus because we declare that God's will is about to break out in families. Father, I ask that this would be a new year that um, even right now that you're stirring up in the spiritual, that you're releasing callings that people aren't even aware of on their lives, that you're, you're releasing and you're imparting gifts that they don't even know they have yet, gifts of disturbance to bring about the manifestation of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, in the, name of Je in the greatest name, the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask that you would begin making us into a people that when we see disturbance, we look for you. 
And that when we see things start to fall apart, we reach out for the blessing we can't see yet. And we cast our faith on you, knowing that you are the God who has good plans for us. We declare before a spiritual audience right here this morning that we are of the family of a God that only has good plans for us. And we ask, Lord, that this spirit of peace would go through it. As you begin to dismantle and shake up things that are not as they should be, that you would hold us in your peace, that you would just stay our heart on what we know to be true. And what we know to be true is you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We just declare it. And we receive it. Now, if you, if you don't mind, if you want to receive this, just lift your hands up like this like you're going to receive something, okay? And Father God, I pray the Holy Spirit come in presence. We know you're always with us, but we ask you to make your presence tangible. I ask you to put these blessings in people's hands in the name of Jesus, that you would grant us the miracle of being able to receive what you're trying to give us. We invite you, so just as you have your hands up, uh, just join me in this if you want to. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to grant the blessing. We invite you to, um, to have your way in our lives, to shake things as you see fit and establish new foundations for things that are in alignment with your kingdom. In the strong name of Jesus, amen.